3: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Governor Gavin Newsom says the Supreme Court's anticipated rollback of abortion rights is part of a larger attack on freedoms and privacy. Newsom has reaffirmed California's support for access to reproductive services after a leaked draft Supreme Court opinion showed a majority of justices supported overturning Roe v Wade. Here's the governor surrounded by Planned Parenthood supporters in Los Angeles County yesterday. They're taking away rights that have been affirmed over and over again and well established, they are taking them away. Wake up, America. Wake up to who you're electing. Newsom says he expects an increased effort to undo voting and civil rights, as well as protections for members of LGBTQ communities. Turning to the pandemic, as COVID-19 cases increase around the state, Los Angeles is seeing more outbreaks at workplaces and schools. KPCC senior health reporter Jackie Fortier has the details. The number of COVID-19 cases in L.A. County has jumped significantly in the last month. That's led to clusters of infections at workplaces and schools as people gather indoors, often without masks.
1: I think whenever you see this big an increase in cases, it's up by 200 percent, like everyone should take notice.
3: L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer.
1: When you go into a room with 100 people, it's very likely that in that room there'll be at least one or two people that are infected.
3: So far, the number of people in the hospital with COVID-19 or dying from the virus hasn't risen. That's a good sign, Ferrer says. And she says if people remain vigilant now, L.A. may be spared another huge surge in cases. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Another school in Northern California has seen a significant rise in COVID-19 cases following a school dance. At least 50 students have tested positive at C.K. McClatchy High School in Sacramento over the past two weeks. School officials say nearly half of those positive cases involved people who attended junior prom, which was held on April 23rd. Last month, nearly 100 students tested positive at San Mateo High School in the Bay Area following that school's prom. Hate incidents are on the rise in San Diego, but they continue to be difficult to prosecute. As KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim reports, 911 dispatchers can gather useful evidence as a hate crime is unfolding. A warning, this story uses 911 tape discussing hatred and violence.
1: San Diego Police Emergency, this is Felia. Hey there. Um, there are some guys beating up on gay guys in the Balboa Park.
4: That's a 911 call placed in 2006 from just outside Balboa Park on the second night of San Diego's Pride Festival.
1: And the people are screaming for help. Do they have any weapons? It sounds like they have baseball bats or something, because I can hear them hitting it with something.
4: When three people brutally attack six men, leaving one with severe head injuries while yelling homophobic slurs.
1: And they're saying like, anti-gay stuff.
4: The attackers, including a minor, were ultimately charged with hate crimes. The recorded 911 call served as key evidence for prosecutors who needed to show hate motivated the attacks. Which is why more than 15 years later, Deputy District Attorney Abigail Dillon is playing these tapes for over a dozen of San Diego County's 911 dispatchers at a training all about hate crimes. Some of you might be
5: thinking, like, what does this have to do with me? Why
4: am I listening to this boring lady talk about this very
5: niche area of the law, right? Who cares? Um, We're dispatchers. We have a different role to play.
4: But Dylan says the role dispatchers play is very important in collecting evidence for hate crimes.
5: The details that a dispatcher is able to get from someone who is on scene witnessing it as it happened, um, I can't emphasize enough how important that information gathering can be and how critical that evidence can be, especially in hate crime cases.
4: In San Diego City alone, hate crimes increased by 77% in 2021 from the previous year, according to the police department. But even though the district attorney's office received around 300 reports of hate crimes, they only prosecuted 30 cases. Dylan says hate crimes are very difficult to prosecute.
5: It requires us to prove that the perpetrator's act was motivated in whole or in part because of a bias.
4: And that's why Dylan trains 911 dispatchers, because the questions they ask can be pivotal in proving bias.
5: We want dispatchers to be aware of kind of the difficulties of what we have to prove for purposes of hate crimes, um, what's required. um,
4: So that that's in the back of their mind as they're asking for additional details from witnesses or victims or suspects who call 911. She plays 911 calls to show the kinds of questions they can ask, like in the attack at Pride, when the caller said the attackers were saying anti-gay slurs. Dispatchers can also ask whether anyone was displaying any known hate symbols or even get details from suspects.
1: You said that you what? I just shot up a synagogue. I'm
0: defending my country. I'm in my car. You can come get me. I will not shoot you.
4: That's what the dispatcher did when talking to the man who shot four people at a Poway synagogue in 2019. He got his motive. Why'd you do
2: it? Because the Jewish people are destroying the white race. They have been for a long time and no one's doing anything about it. Something has to be done.
4: Christina Newton is a first-year 911 dispatcher for the San Diego Sheriff's Department. After going through the training, she says she's thinking about her job differently.
5: I'll be asking a lot more follow-up questions, a lot more clarifying questions, Um, just trying to determine if there are other types of crimes within some of our more standard calls.
4: She says it was good to hear she can help hate crime prosecution.
5: It's this kind of crime that you think people don't get charged for, or, you know, victims don't get justice in a way. So it was nice to hear that there are ways to do that.
4: Dylan says prosecuting more hate crimes is an integral part of how the region must address growing hate. I think that by prosecuting hate
5: crimes, we in turn are sending a message that this is not acceptable.
4: So she's making sure dispatchers are ready every time they answer a call. For the California Report, I'm Christina Kim in San Diego.
3: The Mountain View based company behind TurboTax Intuit has agreed to pay more than one hundred forty million dollars to customers, eleven million to Californians in particular, who were tricked into paying for services that should have been free. KQED's Rachel Myro has more. A coalition of 51 attorneys general, including California's, allege Intuit advertised its TurboTax products as free to low-income Americans and active-duty service members. But once consumers clicked, Intuit steered them away from the IRS free-file program and toured Intuit's commercial products, often only after people spent hours filling out their information. In a blog post, Intuit admitted to no wrongdoing and stated it already adheres to most of the changes it's committed to make as part of the deal. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. California voters could decide between two different approaches to legalizing sports gambling this November after supporters of legalizing online wagers say they've collected enough signatures to make it on the ballot. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzorati has more.
2: The campaign backed by sports gambling companies like FanDuel, DraftKings, and BetMGM announced Tuesday that they've turned in 1.6 million signatures. If roughly 1 million are deemed valid by the Secretary of State, the measure will be on the ballot. Campaign spokesman Nathan Click says their proposal would earmark 85% of gambling tax revenue to combat homelessness.
0: We're the only measure that would create hundreds of millions of dollars each year in funding for homelessness and mental health support.
2: But Native American tribal governments say the proposal impedes on their gaming rights. A ballot measure sponsored by tribal governments to legalize in-person sports gambling will also be on the ballot this fall. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzorati.
3: The neat rows of grapevines in California's wine country are just beginning to bud as the wine industry faces another season of drought and almost certainly wildfire. But it's not just the flames they're worried about. It's the smoke, too. KAZU's Jeremiah Edding reports scientists are helping the wine industry clear the air on just how much smoke is too much.
2: To some, Prudy Fox is known as the grape whisperer.
3: (laughs) Who knows how these things come about? It is Santa Cruz.
2: (laughs) She's a viticulturalist. She advises grape growers, primarily in the Santa Cruz mountains. But there's a new problem in the vineyards all over California. Wildfire smoke, polluting the grapes.
0: Yes, it's dramatically affected the wine industry in general.
2: When grapes are exposed to wildfire smoke, they absorb some of its ashy-smelling compounds. Fox says the impacts range from almost unnoticeable to
0: an incredibly bitter aftertaste and very ashy, very old cigarette smoke, very bottom of a wood stove.
2: Not how you want your wine to taste. But deciding whether to toss those grapes or bottle them is a big question with millions of dollars on the line. After the devastating wildfire season in 2020, an analysis found that California grape growers lost over $600 million, all because of the smoke. That's largely because winemakers were worried about producing those ashy-tasting wines, so they canceled contracts with the growers. But Fox says some of those wasted grapes were actually just fine.
0: I mean, I have an unnamed client that submitted the 2020 Pinot Noir that was smoke-impacted over the limit that the local lab gave us, and they made the wine anyway, and there's no detectable smoke impact in that wine. It's beautiful. So
2: how can you analyze this properly? That was what we were trying to unlock. That's Phil Cruz. He runs the Pelican Ranch Winery, tucked away in the Santa Cruz Mountains. He also happens to be an organic chemist at UC Santa Cruz. He wanted to find a better way to measure smoke impact so that winemakers weren't wasting perfectly good grapes. Where there's a will, there's a way. I wanted to get this data because I knew it was important. He looked to Australia, where smoke-polluted grapes have been a problem for nearly two decades. How the Australian method works is complicated, but... I'll try to boil it down. Right now, most labs in the US look broadly at the amount of smoke in the grapes. Cruz argues for a more specific measurement. When grapes absorb smoke, many of those smoke particles attach themselves to sugars inside the fruit. It's those molecules, the smoke particles that are bound to sugars, that Cruz says are the best way to tell if grapes will produce ashtray wine. I knew how to do it, but couldn't quite do it in my research lab. So he called up SC Labs, a private company in Santa Cruz known for their work with another California crop, cannabis. Yeah, these are the the mass specs. The lab already had all of the expensive equipment and the expertise Cruz needed. So this part is the HPLC, which stands for High Performance Liquid Chromatography Machine. Paul Dorenbach is their senior analyst and one of the co-authors of the study led by Cruz. He's been testing samples of wine from around the state and building a library of different wines from different regions with different levels of smoke impact. We've tested, you know, over 250 samples already. That library lets growers and winemakers know where their level of smoke impact falls on a spectrum, from barely noticeable to bottom of the wood stove. Dorenbach pours me a splash of Pinot in a Dixie cup. So, cheers. Cheers. To see if I can detect the smoke impact. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like, uh, it's more like a filmy thing, and I, I don't know if that's
3: smoke taint or if not.
2: Maybe I'm a cheap date, but I found the splash of smoke tainted wine tasted pretty good. The sample Dornbach had on hand was right around the modest category of smoke impact. I, I'm, I'd be fine with it. I didn't love the wine, but you know. Prudy Fox, the grape whisperer, says in the end, it all comes down to taste. I mean,
0: it's 2022. We're going to learn a lot about seeing how this wine goes through the market and how it's received by the critics. And if, if the critics choose to kibosh anything where they even detect smoke impact.
2: Then she says that will have a big effect on the industry. But Fox points out that wine is endlessly complex. Maybe a light smoke impact will add another interesting layer, a memorial of that year's fires. Or a bitter reminder that the wrath of climate change is growing heavier with every vintage. For the California Report, I'm Jeremiah Edding in Santa Cruz. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare. Alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area, now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from DrinkHint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the
0: Schmidt Family Foundation working together to create a just world where all people have access
2: to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org.
3: And that's the California Report for Thursday, May 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening.